Have you ever sat through a Relief Society lesson, heard an inspirational story about a woman who was born decades or even centuries before you, then wondered how in the world could her life possibly be relevant to yours? Well, that's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear parts of some prominent talks given by women throughout the history of the church. Hopefully, along the way, you'll be able to see how their experiences can apply to you. Welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women Podcast. My name is Shaylin Back, and I'm your host. And today we have some very special guests. We're here with Dr. Kate Holbrook, who's the manager of women's history in the church history department, and Katie Perez. Hi, you two. Thank you for joining us. Hi. Thanks, Thanks. for inviting us. Of course. These talks and addresses that we'll be discussing are from a book called At the Pulpit, and it is a compilation of 185 years of discourses by Latter-day Saint women. And Kate has been very instrumental in that. And so, Kate, we would actually love for you to introduce the book a little bit before we get started on our discussion. Great. Well, I, I was working with the woman um, who was retiring, whom I replaced, Dilma Vader. We overlapped for a little bit, and we were having a conversation and I remember leaving that conversation thinking, we need to have a women's journal of discourses. And that conversation was then where that seed was born for the book that became At the Pulpit. It's the distillation of a lot of wisdom and scriptural analysis and good theological thinking from women throughout the history of the church. So the first discourse in the book was given in 1835 and the last one at a recent BYU Women's Conference. That's amazing. I think it's so important that these are made available for us to read and study and, and relate to. The address that we're going to be discussing is called A Latter-day Saint Theology of Suffering, and it's by Francine R. Benyon. As we discuss this, I think it's important to talk a little bit about who Francine is and to kind of set the stage for the time period that this was given and when and where it was given. Can you help us do that, Kate? Yeah, the talk was given in the 1980s at a BYU women's conference. And so Francine was assigned the topic of suffering. Uh, but it's one that works really well for her because it's in all across all faith traditions. The problems of trying to understand suffering, why we have to undergo it, and what it means about God and what it means about the universe, that exists throughout, those questions exist throughout humankind. And Francine is an exceptionally bright and logical person, so they really did well in asking her to speak on that complicated topic. Well, I love all of the talks in the book, but this one has really um, seemed to strike a chord with uh, people who also wondered that about that question, why we suffer, what does it mean about our relationship with God? And who was attending this, this conference that she gave this address? A lot of women attend BYU Women's Conference, and, and they fly in from mostly the United States. Okay, and just women of all ages. And Whoever wants to comes and, and listens to the talk. Well, let's get started with a, a quote from the book. She says... We are a people accustomed to bits and pieces here and there, a bit of advertising, a bit of time, a piece of advice. We're people accustomed to fragments of scripture, usually out of context, a phrase here, a verse there, words that say something appropriate to the matter at hand and ring with clarity and conviction. We have to do it. We haven't time or ability to quote all scripture every time we want to refer to scripture. However, 
Sometimes the clarity becomes blurred and the convictions questioned when a person puts some fragments together with others. And then she gives some examples of this. So, Katie, what did you think when you read that quote or read some of the scriptures that she shared? You know, I thought it was interesting because I myself, as I'm going through hard times, I think it's interesting that we kind of read and take it of how we need it at that time. Just a couple of the examples that she used that she took some scriptures and she said, think about these pairings and how they're contradictory. She shares Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. And then in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 18, she it says, in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. So she asked the question, what are we to make of these? And it, it was so important that she used the word fragments because that's what a lot of us do. We find the scripture that we like, that suits us at the moment, and then we build a whole understanding of how God works based on this one scripture. But the, the fact is you really need to read things in context, not just meaning read the verses around the scripture, but think about cultural context. She encourages us to develop a theology because it prevents us from coming up with misguided or partial understandings of important things and helps us to weave together using context a, a reliable, broader understanding. And so when we see these contradictions, how do we make sense of these? Because I personally do find a lot of comfort, you know, in these in these fragments. And, and sometimes we don't have the time or necessarily the deep understanding to to get more context, do you know what I mean? So what what do you guys think? How do we make sense of these contradictions when we come across them in scripture? Maybe I'll, I'll start for this one. It's a reason that it's important to combine your scripture study with prayer so that the Holy Spirit can help enlighten your mind. I think it's also a reason that it's important when you want to understand an important larger principle uh, that you go to reliable sources for that. And the reason she's having this discussion is because she wants to say, even though her audience was full of Latter-day Saints, in that audience, there were a number of different understandings of the role of suffering and how the right way is to respond to suffering. And it's important to acknowledge that we all have our own theology of suffering. But then as she takes us through the talk, she helps us understand what's wrong with some of those understandings of suffering and why it's a problem that it's wrong. So she asked at one point, does this really matter? Can't we all just be patient with each other and kind with each other? And of course, it's important to be patient and kind, but her answer to that question is no, it does matter because the way we understand the reason for suffering determines how we act in the face of suffering. So it determines how we respond spiritually when we're the one who's suffering, and it determines how we respond to somebody else when they're suffering. And that response is really important. I love that you said that. Thank you. I It made me think of her. She defines suffering as well. And she yeah. just said, for the sake of this address, suffering is anything that hurts badly. And so that is different for everybody. So it's important for us to realize with our own suffering and when we view others' sufferings as well. We'd like to share this quote from the address. One function of any religion is to explain such a world as this, to provide theology that makes sense of love and joy and miracles, but also of suffering and struggle and lack of miracles. Good theology makes sense of what is possible, but also of what is presently real and probable. 
to me, when I read that, it's just saying that, you know, we do experience love and, and joy and miracles. And we use theology to, to describe that and to define that. But we also, what happens when there's suffering and lack of miracles and we don't see those good things in our lives. And it's kind of just like using our theology, understanding that that's real life. And that's both of those things happen. That's one thing I thought when I was reading it is it's like, I like to think of the hope and everything good, you know, but at the same time, when you're in the midst of the suffering, you don't want to be okay. You want to be upset. You have to feel it, what you're going through, right? Yeah. One thing when people are in that and they're feeling like I'm not okay and they can't have hope, but they can't even, they don't even have the desire to have hope in some instances. And this suffering can even cause some people to turn away from God. And so I wanted to ask you guys about that in relation to this story. She shares this story that there was a man who watched his mother die miserably of cancer. And then closing up the house, he said, I cannot pray to a God who would let my little mother suffer like that. He did not want a step-by-step report on how cancer causes pain or how she got the cancer. He wanted to know why cancer exists at all, why there is pain, why God doesn't prevent it, why the innocent suffer, why a small, frail human would have such undeserved hurt. What purpose could justify such anguish? What comprehensive model of existence could make sense of it? So what what do you guys think? When we have those questions of, of why, how does our theology as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, how is it different maybe from the world? Well, she says one theology that people sometimes have, including Latter-day Saints, is... God is in charge of absolutely everything. So everything that happens to us, whether it's good or whether it's bad, comes from God. And one of the problems with that theology is that when something bad happens to you, you might react like that man and turn away from him and reject him because how could he do this to you? Another problem with that theology is it looks exactly like Satan's theology in the pre-earth life. His proposal I will control everything. You don't have to have agency. You don't have to have any chaos or uncertainty in your lives. I'll control it all. And that's, we didn't choose that plan because we couldn't fulfill the purpose of life if we chose that plan. We chose the plan where we'd be willing to expose ourselves to some chaos, to vulnerability, to pain and suffering, because in choosing that, we would become more like our Father in heaven. And that's her main point in the talk, is suffering has the potential to make us more like our Father in heaven. And that's why he who loves us so much and suffers with us is willing to watch us suffer because the reward of becoming more like him is worth the pain. I loved that because I loved when it said, you know, God didn't just put us here and we're not here because of Adam and Eve's choice. We're here because we chose to be here no matter how high the cost. And that was comforting to me because, like, I chose that. I really loved that too, Katie. And she talked about how some traditions think of it as this fall, Adam and Eve screwed up and everything has been horrible ever since. But in the Latter-day Saint view of things, our presence on this earth is a sign of our courage, our willingness to accept this this plan that included a savior. I love how in connection with that, we chose to come here because we wanted life. I I think she says that. And it's amazing because the suffering allows us to learn and progress and to become like God, which is very specific and unique about our theology. Mm -hmm. In the talk, she kind of poses this question in relation with a story, but she says, you know, or, or she talks about, are we just 
enduring this life and, you know, things are just happening to us. And then after this life is when we start to progress to become like God. Do you remember what she said? This life is the point. This yep. life is the time when we prepare to meet God and when when all those circumstances come at us that make us more like God. So now yep, is the time. Gonna, yeah, definitely. Yeah. We can't just wait around. Yeah. As we've all reviewed this talk and, and read through it, what is the purpose of suffering? Um, what were your conclusions and, and what are some things that she shared that helped you to come to those conclusions about what is the purpose of suffering? I... I, can I read a quote, actually, that I really liked? Um, it said, What sound theology can do is to help those who believe it to make sense of the suffering and of themselves and of God, such sense that they can proceed with a measure of hope, courage, compassion, and understanding of themselves, even in anguish. So, you know, like we go through these hard times, but I think that it doesn't have to destroy us. I think that we find out more about ourselves, and in the end, it's actually a blessing. Well, and you said in the end, it's a blessing, but I was thinking sometimes there isn't necessarily an end to our suffering. And sure. in in that situation, you know, it's very easy to ask, why is this, you know, we, we don't see the end in sight as far as this earth life. And I feel like in that situation too, in addition to us learning from it, we can be helpful to other people and have empathy and be an influence where we don't even realize that we are. We don't have control ourselves over suffering. It can come from natural causes, just having a body, being in this world, being near an earthquake, you know, being poor. Yeah. What, choices of others. Yeah. And it can come from the results of our own choices, mm -hmm. even if we tried to make a good choice, but especially if we didn't try to make a, a good choice. But the place where we have control and the place where we have, we can really exercise choices in how we respond to the suffering. And I think that's the whole reason she wrote this was to help us to more effectively respond to the suffering. And when I say effectively, I mean, yes, so that we'll become more like our Father in Heaven as we go through the suffering, but also so that the suffering doesn't tear us apart inside. If, if we don't feel like we're suffering because we're unworthy and God's punishing us, if we just understand that the suffering is inevitable, but God can be with us through it, that brings, you were talking about hope, Katie. That's, that's where we can find the hope. In the talk, she starts off mentioning that she visited her friend in the hospital and the friend had just had brain surgery and was paralyzed and half of her body was paralyzed. And she visited her. She said, I've just received this invitation to speak about suffering, a Latter-day Saint theology of suffering. And the friend who, who couldn't speak very well said, I think you should talk about theology of courage, hope, like looking out a window. And Francine said to her, I think that's the same thing. So the, I think the theology of suffering and understanding the role it can play and, and what it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean God punishing us, it doesn't mean we're terrible, that provides us hope. I love that image of looking out a window said by a woman in a hospital bed. Yes, I, I love that too. I just loved how you said it helps us to have empathy towards others because I do feel like as you go through, you know, whether it's big or small, any type of trial, I feel like when those around you go through that same thing or other things, then you're more empathetic towards them. And you know how to help them yeah. then. You, yeah. I, my first friend who had a baby, I gave her a cookie sheet as a baby gift because I just was <laughs> so clueless. I had no idea what you'd need if you had a baby. And then I had a baby, and my gifts became much, much more relevant. <laughs> once you know. But yeah, once you know. 
Mm-hmm. I think that this is a silly example, but I think okay. it's an important point you made. Yeah. yeah. So in General Conference, President Nelson, he actually talks about how powerful sisters' voices can be. And he just says, we need you. We need your strength and your conversion, your conviction, your ability to lead your wisdom and your voices. And here we have this talk that was given you know, 30, 40 years ago. And it seems like she really understood, like Francine Benyon really understood this. She was at the forefront. She served on the Relief Society General Board. She served on the Young Women General Board. She taught a a number of French, English, logic, and uh, music classes at BYU. So she, she was a really capable woman. And she was also a woman who didn't hesitate to use her, her gifts and to really reach out and help people. This talk has become a favorite in my own ward. I We often hear it quoted in lessons and over the pulpit in sacrament meeting because it's so rich and, and responds to such uh, universal and wrenching questions. And I'll just give you a little example. She, she quotes um, from the Hebrew Bible. She tells the story of Jephthah, how he says, God, if you help me beat the people of Ammon, then I will sacrifice whoever comes out of my house first when I get home. And he beats the people of Ammon, and he comes home, and his only child, his daughter, comes out. And he just, and, and he blames his daughter. He says, oh, you've ruined things. Now I have to kill you. And, and so he gives her two months to come to terms with it, and then, and then she dies. It's, it's a terrible story, right? It is a terrible story, yeah. <laughs> and it's a story that a lot of people can use to say, God is unjust. He made Jephthah kill his daughter. God is so mean. And what Francine does is she turns all of that on, on her head, and she says, what does this re- story really show us? Is it God who's unjust, or is it Jephthah? Mm-hmm. Is it Jephthah, or is it his religious leaders? who taught him to believe that this was a right way to do? Was it his religious leaders or the culture that taught him this skewed vision of making vows to God and keeping them? Was it the culture or whether was it his brothers who kicked him out when he was a little boy and created this personality in him, you know, growing up alone without his family? So I think taking that, it's a wonderful for the point she's illustrating, and it's also such an important point to take to our study of Scripture in general. So that's just a taste of sort of the depth and richness that's here. Yes, she she does share a lot. And we encourage all of you listeners to actually go and read the talk. It's available again in At the Pulpit, uh, which is a book that's available to purchase, but it's also available in your gospel library app in English and Spanish and Portuguese. And it's online at the churchhistorianspress.org. And there is so much that to talk about. And again, what you get out of this talk is going to depend on your current situation and your current understanding and the sufferings that you're currently experiencing. In conclusion, I wanted to share this quote from her. She said, I pray we may gain courage and faith to affirm the choice we made, which was to come to the earth, to remember that we are active and alive and meeting suffering here because God knew we could and because we believed we could. And I think that's an important thing to remember. Thank you for joining us today as we've discussed this discourse. I'm your host, Shaylin Back, and thank you so much, Katie and Kate, for your insights and your experiences that that you've shared. Uh, We encourage you to join us next time as we continue talking about these these powerful discourses given by Latter-day Saint women throughout the Restoration.